At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. Got my brother Quentin with me as always. Q, we're in week two of quarantine. Uh, actually, I'm in week two of quarantine. You, you've been in, you've been in this longer than I have since you're up there in Washington. Yeah, my restaurant closed down. March 15th. Yeah, so it's been it's been a minute, man, since I've been out of this house. Yeah, I man. mean, other than, like, getting some groceries, yep. you know. Yep, I hear you. I don't know if we touched on this last time or not, but, you know, I'm just working remotely from home. So my day-to-day really hasn't changed as far as, like, what I'm doing. It's just where I'm doing it, you know. Right. I'm just working, doing the same thing, talking to the same people. I'm just doing it from the same room that I'm talking to you from right now, Q. So, so let me ask you this, because I'm a bartender, so I have to work at a restaurant to be employed. <laughs> right. Do you like working from home? Do you think that, that you guys, do, do you think more people are going to try to transition to remote working after all this is over? No, no. Well, I mean, it obviously it depends on, on the type of work you're doing, but I I like going to work. My the culture at my company is like very, uh, it, you know, it's a place you actually want to go to work. We are much more collaborative. Like we're in, we're in a room together. It's just harder to, you know, I can't I can't turn around and, and sketch something out on a whiteboard if nobody else is in the room. You know, I don't even have a whiteboard to begin with. So there you go. But yeah, I no not for not for the our company. No way. We're a creative agency. You know, like we need to be around each other. And you can't you know, wad up that piece of paper and, and, and hurl a spit wad at your cubicle buds when you're at home. You know what Well, I mean? technically my cubicle bud is my wife because she's also working from home remotely <laughs> and we share the same office. So I could, if I wanted to, but <laughs> don't do that. I, I don't encourage that by anyone. I'm not a bully. Never have been. No, I don't think I've ever once. That's gotta be the worst, man. Come on, dude. I've never once done that. And dude, you want to talk about, you want to see a decline in spitballs, dude? By bullies, like oh, after yeah. with the coronavirus, or if anything, we're going to see an increase. Maybe. Did you hear about like these kids that have been running around grocery stores coughing on produce and like licking shit? Dude, they need they need to be a uh, what was it, what was that TV series on MTV or whatever where they would send scared kids, straight? Yeah, they need to be scared straight, dude. No, apparently some kid. Uh, 
I don't know, did like a TikTok or something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was doing it for the, was like, for the lulls is what you're saying. He was doing it for the lulls and he got like tried for uh, terrorist threats. I like that. Right? Think about, the, yeah, that's fucking nuts, man. Because people are saying, hey, you know, at least we could still get groceries. Well, not with that. If that shit's going down. Yeah, dude. I'm glad that they caught his ass, man. All right, Q. Well, that's happened a few times. Yeah. <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing, man? <laughs> all right, all right. So, yeah. We, we we said that we would have a little little COVID chat in the beginning. So, you know, until this is, this is over, I, I imagine we're going to be talking about this. So, anyway. You know what, dude? Hashtag not my virus. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Hashtag not my I virus. I just made that up just okay. now, dude. All right. Well, good. That's a good one. It's not going to bring me down. Mm. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, so this is our, our second full-length episode, although our sidetracks are starting to become full-length episodes nowadays. But it's our second full-length episode in the the pocket of 90s grunge, 90s alternative music. And today we are talking about Stone Temple Pilots' second day. Uh, I was about to say second debut, but that wouldn't make any sense, would it, Q? <laughs> second record, Purple. Came out in 1994, the same year that Kurt Cobain died, and many people considered to be the end of of uh, of grunge. The end of uh, the end of of uh, you know. There's these grunge waves, kind of like with emo. We talked about all those, the waves of emo music, right? When we did our Jimmy Eat World episode. Right. People are saying that with the, the, the death of Cobain is essentially the death of second wave grunge. And basically Stone Temple Pilots and others go on with third wave grunge. So when did Dirt come out by Alice in Chains? Same year, I believe, that uh, Nevermind came out. 1991. 1991, I believe. Uh, let's find out. Here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think 91 is when basically... Wait. 92 is Alice in Chains Dirt. 92 is... 91 is... Never mind. Green River, right? We talked about Green River. Mm-hmm. Their first kind of quote-unquote grunge record came out in 1985. So that's, that's first wave, right? Second wave is like 91 to 94. Pretty small window. But basically, when 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 Cobain dies, that's the end of that that wave, and then it keeps going after that. And a lot of people, you know, we talked about this briefly, I think, in our very first episode when we, you know, talked about why we didn't talk about Bush and went with Allison Change instead. Yeah, is because a lot of people didn't consider Bush a true grunge artist. A lot of people have the same kind of. Um, commentary about stone tip of pilots you know they weren't even from seattle you know they were from san diego <laughs> you know yeah um but yeah and here's the thing purple is a good example of kind of what happened to, to grunge after cobain you know what i mean it really is kind of like cobain and then post cobain so i i know you hate it when i bring this up dude but i think it's important to remind people that Yes, we were born in 1987. Is that what you're going to say? Right. I don't have a lot of commentary on this because I was not old enough to be, you know, listening to music on my own and, and like, noticing the changes in the landscape, right? Like, no, I hear... we weren't alive during it, but that doesn't mean we can't have something to say about it because we yeah, you're right. okay. like to look at this stuff up and look into it. I guess what I what I should say is I, I never 
went back and listened to Stone Temple Pilots when I got older. And a lot of these grunge, you know, alternative rock bands from the 90s, I never revisited when I grew up. So I've I've kind of done done the opposite. I've I've gone back and and dove a little bit deeper into each of these iconic grunge artists, you know, especially Alice in Chains. I'm a, they're probably my favorite grunge, you know, if you want to put them in that group. They're obviously a little bit on the heavier side of grunge, which is probably why I like them. Yeah. So the only songs of Stone Temple Pilots that I know are ones that played on those rock stations, you know, from the 90s that were blasted at that uh, local swimming pool that we hung out at yeah. all the time during the summer, dude. Right. It was just that rock. It was the local rock station. Yeah. So what was the singles on, on Purple? Uh, what was what was the song we, we entered us in with? I don't even know the name of that song, dude. That was Interstate Love Song. And let me tell you something, man. That is one of my favorite rock songs out of the 90s. Honestly, I love that song. Another another song that you, you probably recognize, Q. Vaseline. You remember that, right? Flies in Don't let Vaseline. the days go by. No, dude. Vaseline. But if we if we if we go back to their their debut record, Core, which was a lot heavier than Purple mm-hmm. and more sort of, you know, that quote unquote there was a term that I read for it, um fake grunge, I guess. Same kind of haters that would get on to Bush. Core had let me let me see the singles. Sex type thing and plush. Now you know those songs, Q. You might not know the 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 song names, but you might come on. Wicked Garden. Everybody knows Wicked Garden. Uh, Here's the funny thing about Wicked Garden, Q. Do you remember when those two fellas came over to our house and we did sort of like a competition with them? They played Wicked Garden and we played. I think I did a rendition of. Jimi Hendrix's uh, "Star Spangled Banner." Wait a second, man. Hang on. Are you talking about the two guys that we that we went to school with? Yeah, Tyler and Craig. I think their names were. Yeah. One was a drummer. One was a guitar dude, player. Do you remember the name of their band? No. I hope you do. do. Oh, dude, I got it. What was it? They were called Forte Premises. Forte Premises. <laughs> That's right. What does that even mean? That means loud place. Okay. Well, that's why I don't remember it. That's another one of those classic examples of that, you know, those band name aggregators? Sure. Yeah, that, yeah. They, yeah, all the rage back in the day. Yeah. You could go to a website probably right now. I bet you they're still there. Oh, I'm doing it right now, dude. Dude, I could code one up in five seconds if you want me to. Band name aggregator. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's find out what our new, our next band name is here. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Pro- oh, my God. Probed of the Dumping. Okay. Chronicles of Serenity. Are these, come on, these sound like song names, man. Behind Blowout Surgeon. All right. Well, <laughs> these are bad, dude. That's that's unfortunate. Anyway, uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, Stone Temple Pilots, their their songs, um, they, they were all over the place, like you said, you know. Did I say that? I didn't say and that. And especially once you get to Purple, which is what we're talking about today, uh, they start to expand and sort of... Uh, you know, it, it's the next it's the next evolution in in grunge music. They start to, you know, step away from the stereotypes of grunge and uh, incorporate a lot more styles into it. So yeah, uh, let's talk about this for a little bit here, Q. 
So here, here's a, just a little quick summary of what was going on before uh, they recorded Purple. So they appear on MTV Unplugged, Q, 1993, and they debut one of the singles off of Purple before it comes out on MTV Unplugged. And that was a single, Big Empty. So people hear that song before the record comes out because they play it live on MTV Unplugged. Pretty cool. Purple then comes out June of 1994, debuts number one on the charts. By October of that same year, Purple had sold three million copies. So Good the reason God. that's important is because... Uh, they didn't have as much success with their debut record. I mean, it was still it was still successful, but it wasn't it wasn't three million copies successful. You know, mm-hmm. while the album was a major commercial success, I'm talking about Core now, their debut. In the press, they were criticized as quote unquote grunge imitators, which is kind of funny, right? I mean, I guess we talked about it earlier, where it's like. It's like if you didn't come from Seattle, you somehow couldn't be true grunge, you know? Right. Yeah, and this dude, this is 90... Okay, when, when did their first one come out? 92? 92, yeah. So this is one okay, year dude, after... How, never mind. How can you get called imitators when grunge itself is, is only a couple of years old? Three or four I years old? I think it's like, because... Hey, that's you know, not fair. Well... There's reasons that some of the pilots, like I said, it's you could hear it in purple for sure. They spread their wings a little bit, you know? Yeah. I also read that Cobain had a lot to do with sort of deeming who was grunge worthy. Like, apparently Cobain said something along the lines of like, uh, oh, you know, Pearl Jam, they're too commercially successful or something like that. And that that caused some people to be like, yeah, well, Pearl Jam's not true grunge then. You, didn't you hear what Cobain said? So, like, Cobain mm. is going around sort of, like, crowning people. Okay. He's sort of deeming, like, whatever he says goes kind of thing. That's just how much how much power that guy had. Would you be cool with listening to a song from Core? Yes, absolutely, dude. I love Core. Let's do it. Um, I mean, uh, do you want to do a single or what? Nope. No, you don't want to do a single. All right. Do the very first song, dude. Do the very first song. It's called Dead and Bloated. This is an okay, interesting so again, song. This, this is from Core. It came out in 92. It's got a really cool intro, too. So, Dude, let's see how much of an imitation this is. You know? Yeah, you tell me if this sounds like grunge, what you think grunge is.
I mean, that doesn't sound like. I mean, it doesn't sound like Nirvana. I mean, yeah, if that's the only criteria, right. well, sure, because they're not Nirvana, you know. No, but here's the thing: like, you know, we talked about this during our muddle <laughs> muddle month, during our metal month, uh, with bands like uh, Kimis, mm-hmm. like. I doubt Stone Temple Pilots were getting together as a band for the first time and being like, all right, guys, what do you guys want to sound like? You guys want to do grunge? Let's do grunge. You know what I mean? Right. I don't see the point in trying to to place labels on bands. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true with any kind of fan base, right? I mean, you got all those people, you know, Star Wars fanatics, right, that are out there. You got all those different camps of Star Wars fans who just pretend like the prequels never happened you know and then there's some people who can appreciate it for what it is yeah it's the same kind of thing right so these people who are diehard nirvana fans who who are the keepers of grunge you know yeah it's going to be a little bit harder to to uh gain their favor you know so anyway i actually so i've got a good quote here this is gonna this is good this is from an article uh this online publication called title T-I-D-A-L, like a tidal wave. They did like a 25-year retrospective review on Purple. So uh, he was talking about Core, and he said, To be fair, Stone Temple Pilots' debut Core did not sound or feel wholly authentic, whereas their grunge contemporaries were a blend of previous decades' sounds and genres. STP appeared as an unholy amalgamation of current bands. If the quote-unquote classic grunge sound was a mix of the Stooges and Bowie, Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin, STP's Grunge Come Lately was widely panned by critics as merely a watered-down blend of others 90s uh, of other 90s artists. Entertainment Weekly wrote that SP. This is funny. Entertainment Weekly wrote STP sounds like it has crash-landed Pearl Jam into Alice in Chains. Rolling Stone called it a testosterone fest. So there you go. It didn't have much love in the in the press, and uh, you know that's kind of funny. It watered down blend of other '90s rock bands. So here, here the that's only reason pretty that this brutal, is all, man. It, that's brutal. But I think what's what's good to keep in mind about all of that, knowing that that was their debut, and hearing that song "Dead and Bloated." I'm glad that you decided to play that, actually is now that when we listen to what was on Purple, uh, you can kind of see how they sort of transcended that because they basically started to incorporate their, you know, take their sound into their own hands, basically, and shape it into something uh, different. So, all right, let's let's get into that, Q. Let's play our first clip from Purple, and we're going to play... We're going to play just the intro... Uh, well, actually, it's a good, it's at least in the first verse, but I only have one clip for this song. Uh, and what I want you to pay attention to, to is the intro to this. And then we'll talk about uh, what's interesting about that. So this song is called Lounge Fly.
Okay, dude, so this is going to be uh, a sign of, of our age and our circumstances with what we listened to back in the 90s. I feel like, and this is a damn shame, I feel like Creed <laughs> ruins this for me. Ruined. So are you saying that, that uh, what was that guy's name? Fucking Scott. Scott Stipe. Stapp. Yeah. Scott are you Stapp. saying he's got a similar voice or something? I feel like, for one, I feel like Creed totally ripped off Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, they they have a very similar voice. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, dude. I I I can't get into it, man. All right, all right. Well, uh, you know, save your save your judgment for later, because I think I think you'll I think you'll be a fan by the end of this. We got we got two more songs to play. Okay, so hold your hold your horses, and then you can shit all over the band later. I did. I I thought the um. I guess the melody, the like, yeah, it was pretty course. interesting. It was almost not. It wasn't grunge, right? There's nothing grunge no, about it. No, no, it definitely wasn't. Okay, grunge. so that's the whole point. The only reason I played this song. So at the very beginning, in the very the intro, that's the band sort of experimenting and playing around with tape manipulation. Okay, that intro was really cool. Yes. So um, this this is kind of part of this record. They bring a lot of their other influences into this record that they didn't do with Core. Um, and so uh, the band members are kind of known as being influenced and fans of uh, David Bowie and, and Brian Wilson and stuff like that. And so this tape manipulation thing is kind of sponsored from that. And uh, our our outro track is actually going to be uh, another song that they did on MTV Unplugged, which is a cover of a David Bowie song. So we'll do that as our as our outro. But anyway. Um, Here's an interview that they did back in '94 uh, with Billboard, and uh, I think it's it's uh, Scott Wayland talking. He's a lead singer. He's talking about the bass player here. For Loungefly, Robert had this whole part worked out in his head, where he's playing the harmonics on an opening tuning on his 12-string guitar, and would then run it backwards. Actually, I'm sorry that that's Kretz talking. Kretz is the drummer. Okay, so that way the decay is before the note. Then we ran that as a loop, and they come and I came up with the melodic tom thing on the drums and put that through a loop and developed the sound for the beginning that way. It was a lot of fun to try new stuff. The more we delved into the studio, the more we discovered what we can do. You listen to all those great Queen and Zeppelin albums, and there's just so much going on there. You have to ask yourself, how are they getting all those effects? That was kind of funny, right? Um, I think that was one of the one of the things about grunge music everybody loved, right? Is how, like raw and like stripped down everything was. You know what I mean? It was just distortion, basically. You know? Yeah. But but, yeah. but Stone Temple Pilots are going into the studio for their second recording, and 
they're wanting to expand and experiment more, right? So you get you get stuff like this, and um, you get more more different sounding genres too. So the thing about this record and Loungefly delves into psychedelic rock a little bit, and that would be that tape manipulation. Same with this next track that we're going to play called Silver Gun Superman. But what you also hear, and you kind of hear it on the way that he sings, especially on Interstate Love Song, especially with the the guitar in Interstate Love Song, which is the, the intro track that played us in, there's some country vibes a little bit. And I kind of hear that sometimes in some of the way that uh, Lane Staley would sing of Alice in Chains, which is funny. I hate country music. I, I've never, never understood it. Never, It's never really appealed to me at all. But I do like grunge music quite a bit. And I, I like it when there's a little bit of that twang in there, which is funny because I, I, I loathe country music. Dude, but I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for twang too. It's just got to be done right. Right. Exactly. Hello, freaking Dwayne Eddy, man. Have twangy guitar will travel. Oh, sure. Anyway. Uh, all right. So yeah, let's play our next track here. Uh, this song is called Silver Gun Superman. And I've got two different tracks here, two different clips from this song. Uh, so let's just play the, let's play the first one. Yeah, so there's distorted guitar. It's you know it. <laughs> hang on, there is distorted on, guitar. No, okay, but but my point is okay. There is something different between this style of grunge, if you want to call it that, and Nirvana. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Here's what purple to me what it signifies. Yes, Cobain died the same year, so. It's almost like, kind of like you're saying, like there is that definitive grunge sound that Nirvana defined. And then Sons of Pilots were lumped into that grunge label and like actually were criticized as being like a watered down version of it, whatever that meant, with their first record. 
But with Purple, I don't know if, if there's anything to be said about this because they, obviously they were recording most likely writing these songs like before Cobain died. But I wonder if, if any of these bands felt like, okay, you know, Cobain's dead. That that wave is over. Let's take it and, and go somewhere else with it, you know? Like, probably not, right? It just feels more polished. What do you mean by that, though? Do you just mean like the way that the... Like it's not it's not as it's not as heavy or it's not as grungy. <laughs> I mean it's it's still it, it might be even more distorted. You know, I mean it's even okay. it feels a little bit more heavy to me. It's not heavier. The the chugging of the guitar strings it almost feels more like a metal band, dude. Okay, you you were you were asleep during that clip. You must have been. <laughs> no, dude. Or you were you were listening to something else in your headphones because there's. It's 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 not any heavier than Nirvana by by any means. Would you? Okay, uh, how about compared to Alice in Chains? No, oh, Alice in Chains is heavier than Nirvana. Phew, you've learned nothing. But in between Alice in Chains and Nirvana, where do you put Stone Temple Pilots? Do they lean more towards Nirvana or Alice in Chains? Their sound is more. It's more wide ranging than both of the bands. Although Alice in Chains. You know, some of the songs on, on Jar of Flies and and Sap, the EP, are just like these beautiful acoustic songs, right? So Alice in Chains had a lot of a lot of range in that regard too, but they were more of like metal grunge, right? So if, if you were to try to put these three bands, if we were to just isolate and talk about these three bands, Alice in Chains is heaviest, and then Nirvana, and then Stone Temple Violets, for sure. So um anyway. Uh, let's play the next track, and this is like kind of plays into the solo here. They have this really cool bridge with some like really cool like harmonizing stuff, and I think you'll see why this song is kind of has got the psychedelic label put on it in some way because uh, uh, they kind of play with that sound a little bit here for sure. Anyway, all right, this is the second clip here from Silver Gun Superman.
I, I like that dude. Um, you like that bridge? I, I liked the uh, vocal delivery. I guess yeah. the, the vocal delivery and the like the harmonizing in that. Yeah, right, right. Um, but dude, and what, the guitar what, solo, right? Yeah, the guitar solo is great. But what I what I meant when I said it, they they feel heavier to me than Nirvana. I feel like it's more in like the 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 chords, the guitar chords. I don't think you listen to enough Nirvana. You're probably right, dude. <laughs> I guess it depends on what you mean by heavy. I mean, if you just mean just more distorted, then yeah, maybe sometimes here and there. But I think that um, Cobain's Cobain's guitar sound was more dense. You know what I mean? It had more of a like a punch to it. You know, it was it was it was. Fuzzier. Well, that that's that goes back to to me when I when I say it, this just sounds a little bit more polished. Okay. So, uh, talk, talking about polish. Now, this is this is actually a good segue into what I was about to talk about. So, um, maybe that that can be attributed to the producer, maybe, right? Oh yeah. Producer's name is Brendan O'Brien, and he had actually produced their first record. He also had done some stuff before that with Black Crows and Red Hot Chili Peppers. So he's kind of kind of known as this like premier producer for the grunge era. And so what they talk about with this record, here's a quote from, uh, from DeLeo. I don't, I don't know which DeLeo because there's two DeLeos in Stones of a Pilots, the DeLeo brothers. It's either the guitar player or the bass player. Uh, he says that the record is truly performed. Brendan suggested we get our live gear in the studio and record like we played live. We literally played live in the studio. We had monitors and there's a lot of bleed. That's how Brendan was. He wasn't concerned with bleed. He goes on to say that rather than focus on creating a sterile environment where he could lift and separate every sound, he simply let the band perform in a natural state, blood be damned. This is actually not the musician speaking. This is the person who wrote this article. He says, O'Brien did the same for Pearl Jam for most of their career as well. Possibly another one of the reasons why STP was compared so forcefully to Pearl Jam. So I guess what they mean by bleed is that these instruments aren't like isolated. You know what I mean? Right. It's all getting picked up from, from whatever mics are in the, in the room. Which I think, I think, yeah, why this guy is considered a premier producer of the grunge era. That's one of the things that I, that I know about grunge is that it was, it was about trying to step away from the, the highly produced, like, you know, records of the eighties and stuff, rock records from the eighties. Yeah. Can I just fucking can we just appreciate this picture, dude? I guess we have to put this on the on the website on the show. Yeah, notes. we have to. What do you what are you, Judas Priest? Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean Come on, man. He, that's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah, there's a picture of Scott Wayland uh, wearing a uh, like a leather a leather hat and a leather vest. With half a nip showing. Like half sleeve gloves, whatever you call those. Half uh, what are they called? Uh, they're called gloves, I guess. Q. But <laughs> they go all the way, all yeah, the they way. Go, they go, they go past the, the elbow. elbow. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like uh, he looks like Rob Halford of Ugh. of Judas Priest. Well, speaking of leather, dude. Um, you know we got all this fucking free time, dude. We've been trying to spice it up in the bedroom. Oh yeah, I know that might be a little TMI, but um, you can get some good ass leather on AdamandEve.com. <laughs> No, you're talking about... You said ass leather. You mean like assless chaps? Oh, uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Probably. Maybe, dude. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can get on adamandeve.com that could spice up the bedroom. 
And you know what, Q? Yeah, dude. What? Now that you're now that you're talking about that, that actually makes me think of something here. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. This is kind of off track, dude. That's fine. When I saw, well, dude, when I saw that fucking leather vest, it made me think it's spicy time. I don't blame you for 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 going there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, AdamandEve.com, man. You can get free stuff on AdamandEve.com. Now, how do they get free stuff, Q? Wait, you're talking like free, free? Like real free? I'm talking free, man. How do they do it? Tell them how they can do it, Q. So here's how it works. Right now, you go on adamandeve.com. Pretty much any one single item that you find, you know, that tickles your fancy, you can get that item for 50% off. And then you're talking about free stuff, dude. You enter that promo code, no filler, at the checkout, and you will get 10 free gifts. 10. 10, dude. 10 free things. I'm talking a sexy item for you. Special gift for your partner. And you get a third item for both of you to enjoy. Plus, six free spicy movies, dude, to help you spice it up in the bedroom. Uh, uh, no, no, you, there, there's no way that anything else could be free. But wait, you can also get free shipping. That's free as well, dude. Dude, this is unbelievable. That's no filler. All one word. In the promo box at adamandeve.com. Now that's a spicy. Here's the funny thing now, Q. To, to, to transition back to Stone Temple Pilots talk. This last song that we're going to talk about is called Army Ants. I don't know how I tie that back in, but I'm just saying. <laughs> dude, there's no way to tie that into spicy assless chaps, dude. You don't want to step in a pile of army ants if you're wearing assless chaps. Unless you're into that kind of thing. So, I talked about, I mentioned earlier, Interstate Love Song is one of my favorite songs of the decade, as far as rock songs go. That's one of the big singles on this record. But this song, Q, I'll have to say, I saved the best for last. This song is probably my favorite non-single on the record. So we're going to play the whole song. Um, It's about almost four minutes long, but we're going to play the whole thing. The song is called Army Ants. And I would say, once you get to the main riff on this track, I think this is the closest to grunge, to the quote-unquote like grunge 90s sound that you get on this record. That's all I want to say. All right, here we go. This is Army Ants.
a great track, man. It's okay. Come on, man. Sorry, man. Not my jam. So tell me, all right, all right. Let me ask some Q. Do you like Nirvana? Love Nirvana. Do you like Soundgarden? Uh, I don't really don't know that much about him, honestly. Okay, okay. We may have to do uh, Super Unknown during our batch of '90s records here. I mean, this is turning into Metal Month all over. It the is, campaign. man. You're right. So, all right, Q. You know what? Let, let me let me give you let me give you some 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 credit. When you were trying to say that the Stone Temple Pilots is heavier than Nirvana, mm-hmm. on their first record, they certainly get pretty damn heavy. So maybe I was a little too focused on the sound of this record and the sound of their the the records that follow. That like as a whole, STP is not as heavy as Nirvana. But I will say that their first record. Is is definitely definitely on the heavier side. So I'm gonna give you I'll give you some credit. No, please don't, credit. dude. I've never even listened to their first album, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. So, so you're going based off of the clips we've been playing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, anyway. man. Uh, let's just let's just get this out in the open. Okay. I I don't know if I'll ever be into this kind of music, man. <sighs> I'm sorry, that's not, but that's but that's what I'm, that's where I'm confused because if you like Nirvana. It's not like Stone Temple Pilots is, the, you know, in a different building than Nirvana. They're definitely in the same building. So what about Nirvana do you like? I like Kurt Cobain as a songwriter, and I like Dave Grohl as a drummer. That is why I like Nirvana. All right. Sure. Well, you know what, Q? Um, you know, we're going to keep this going because we're going to talk about Pearl Jam next after uh, dude, after our please. sidetrack. Now, Pearl Jam is, is a different, is a whole different whole different kind of band so i fucking love pearl jam dude okay well then there you go q you do have more room in your in your 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 your, your toolbox for some for some grunge and i even enjoyed i, I enjoyed a lot of of what i heard from dirt too when we covered dirt yeah well alice in chains is something special man they're my they're my favorite yeah one of my favorite bands probably of all time and that that album in particular anyway uh let's talk about the legacy of this record just real quick here um and this could be kind of fun. We we, we kind of did this in our Jeff Beck episode. We're going to do it again. I'm going to see how many uh, how many you can guess. So Rolling Stone put this record on their... This is a very specific uh, list here. Very, uh, very narrow in scope. This is Rolling Stone's 40 best records from mainstream alternatives greatest year. Meaning this is 40... Uh, what they're calling mainstream alternative albums that came out in 1994. And uh, this particular album is number 22 on that list. Can you see if you can name some more records that came out in 1994 that, that may show up on this list here? It is kind of amazing when you You're look at You're telling me that 40 albums fit into this one category that came out in 1994? Well, notice how how the, the the category is mainstream alternative. That's pretty pretty broad. Okay, yeah, it's not just yeah. But you know, I'm just gonna name it for you. I'm gonna name off some. Bush, Sixteen Stone came out in 1994. Toadie's Rubberneck. I think we're gonna are we gonna talk about that record? Sure. I feel like we may have talked about talking about that. Uh, Mellow Gold by Beck came out this Ooh, year. Nice. Corn's uh, self titled record. Which, as you know, I I love that record. 
Pearl Jam, uh, Vitology. Soundgarden, Super Unknown. I just talked about that a second ago. Shout out to our our friends of the uh, the uh, Sounds Like Weezer podcast because uh, the Blue Record came out this year. And number one on the list, obviously I didn't name all 40 of them there, but according to Rolling Stone, the number one record that came out in 94 that falls under mainstream alternative is Green Day's Dookie. That came out in 1994 as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of things that happened in 1994. That's probably why they yeah. came out with this list because it's a very wide ranging uh, set of albums there, including uh, the Cranberries. No need to argue. I mean, '94 is a good snapshot of the sound of the '90s. Yeah, you got definitely. Beck in there. You got Cranberries. And again, you think about it, '94 is the year Cobain died. If you want to look at it that way, you know, yeah. not that there weren't as wide a range of records that came out during nirvana's reign but you know this is this is the kind of stuff that was happening post nirvana i don't remember off the top of my head when foo fighters first record came out but foo fighters self-titled came out in 95 so but yeah anyway um like i said um this this record to to me had some of the some of the the most like or at least to me songs that i remember from that era songs that i that i cherish vaseline interstate love song like, I love those songs. Like those songs are permanently linked to the '90s, and like I associate the '90s rock sound with with with, with that that song. Yeah, Stone Stone Temple Pilots is definitely nostalgic for me as well. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's it, man. Um, that'll do it for our our look at Stone Temple Pilots' Purple, and uh, we're gonna do a sidetrack next week. But first, Q. We're going to have to do our beloved segment, What You Heard, where we each bring a song to the table, something that we heard over the last week. doesn't have to be tied to the artist that we're talking about. doesn't have to be tied to the decade or the genre. It could be anything that you heard over the last week. And Q, I'm going to let you go first while I scramble to pick something. <laughs> All right. So shout out once again to the vinyl subreddit on uh, reddit.com I don't even know if that's necessary to say reddit.com everyone knows what a subreddit is you know um, and the vinyl subreddit is just a community of, of you know vinyl junkies that whatever they're spinning they snap a picture of the album cover and talk a little bit about it and why they love it and I always find good music uh, in that community Trav have you ever heard of a band called Twin Peaks that is a show from the 90s Kim. it is a show from the 90s uh, it's also a band. So someone was spinning Wild Onion, which is one of Twin Peaks' early albums. It came out in 2014. And, you know, the album cover just spoke to me, so I, so I gave it a listen. And right off the rip, dude, this, this these guys are straight up, like, they got some good Thin Lizzy vibes, uh, maybe some Rolling Stones, especially in this early stuff. So I listened to wild onion all the way through and dude there's even like some i don't know like you know the hives sure yeah it's got some hives. garage rock uh yeah very garage rock so then i decided to hop jump a few albums and listen to their latest release and they have definitely mellowed out a lot uh, i'm gonna let the music speak for itself dude it's a great record this album came out last year um it's called lookout low again this is a band called twin peaks 
and this song is called Casey's Groove. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting interesting stuff going on there, Q. Yeah, dude, I fucking love it, man. The whole album's fantastic. Um Yeah, dude, there's like some Almond Brothers guitar work yeah, in okay. there, you know? Yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah, dude, but like I said, do not expect to hear anything like that if you hop down to their their one of their first albums, Wild Onion. Okay. Totally different, dude. Actually, I just want to play just to dude, just listen to this. Okay, here's the first track. Okay. Here's the first track from Wild Onion. I fucking love it just as much, but again, totally different. This one's called I Found a New Way.
fucking great, man. No, I'm I'm pulling this out of out of left field here. Okay. But Mooney Suzuki, you remember those guys? Oh, yeah. He kind of has that that vo- the vocals kind of sound like that a little bit. I'm really into Twin Peaks right now. It's just one of those bands that I that I missed. Um, and it's cool that I can you can go back and you know that I've got all these albums to listen to. And I was pleasantly surprised when I heard when I heard the new stuff from Lookout Low and how different it was. Um, so, anyways, dude, that's what I've been jamming to the last couple of days. What you been hearing lately, brother? All right, Q. So, um, I I honestly I don't know much about this guy. Um, he much like Daft Punk and or uh, what is that guy Marshmallow? Uh, this guy has a mask slash helmet type thing that he wears um, that looks like a sort of like a socket, you know, that you plug something into. <laughs> okay. Um, he goes by the name Scattle, S-C-A-T-T-L-E. And uh, he's always coming up with new stuff. Um, I'm actually not going to play one of his newer songs. I'm going to play one of his older songs because I've just been kind of listening to him quite a bit. So um, he kind of falls into the vein of, of uh, I wouldn't say he falls into Vaporwave because he's not as like laid back as Vaporwave, but he's definitely in the synth wave you know, vaporwave chill vibes, right? Okay. Ironically, not this track. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> this song is called Humanize, and it's off of a record called Sketch. It came out in 2017. And again, this guy, he goes by Scattle. Thank you. 
shit fucking puts me in a trance, dude. It's like hypnotic. Is that a, that's a good that's a good thing, right? You. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this guy <laughs> has a, a pretty. <laughs> just make it sure, because that's why I like this kind of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he has a pretty wide range of of, of sounds. Kind of like I was saying, uh, he classifies himself as uh, EDM, lo-fi, synthwave. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to bring us back a few weeks to our electronic uh, month with that one. But uh, anyway, yeah, check him out. Um, if you go to Spotify, he's got some stuff on there. But if you go to Bandcamp, he's got all of his releases. And this guy's super prolific, man. He puts out stuff all the time. Like, I get new release notifications for this guy, it seems like, at least once a month. Which is, you know, that's pretty prolific. A lot of times it's just like one track, two track singles, but either way. All right, Q. So that's that, man. That'll do it for this week. And uh, next week we're going to have our, our sidetrack episode on Stone Tip of Pilots. I'm not sure what that's going to be just yet. But uh, after that, we're going to talk about Tin by Pearl Jam. Q. I'm excited to dig into that record, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I got to be honest. I've never really given them the the the, the listen or like the deep dive that they deserve, you know, for, you no, know, as either, far man. as like who they are. So like I, the songs that I know that I'm intimate with, you know, the ones that everybody knows, like Even Flow, Jeremy. Yeah. Alive. Like, man, these songs are fucking They're great, so man. They're so good, dude. I know. He's, he's one of the best vocalists probably in rock of all time you know i think so too yeah no doubt so anyway that'll be that'll be that'll be good times man so anyway uh yeah that's that man check us out on the pantheon podcast network a collection of like-minded uh podcast hosts who uh, talk about all things music uh that's pantheonpodcast.com you can also find us on our website nofillerpodcast.com where we have all of our all of our previous episodes, uh, each episode has our show notes where we list out the, the track list, all the tracks that we played, and any uh, sources that we cited if you wanted to go back and read the full interviews and stuff that we that we quote. And uh, that's that, man. What's our outro, brother? Oh, yeah. Okay, so like I said <laughs> earlier, the outro is going to be something off of Stone Temple Pilots MTV Unplugged set list. Uh, and you're going to have to find this on YouTube, Q, because this is not on Spotify. Okay. Uh, but this is a cover that they did of a David Bowie song called Andy Warhol. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So anyway, that is that. Andy Warhol, the song, by the way, is featured on Andy Warhol's, what? On David Bowie's 1971 album, Hunky Dory. In case you didn't know that. And man, it's been covered quite a bit. <laughs> I just saw this uh, list of of covers on the on the Wikipedia page for this song. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's that. Next week we'll come at you with a sidetrack episode, and we'll see you guys then. My name is Travis. That was a shitty outro. Uh, <laughs> and my name's Gwen. See y'all next week. My friends are just for show. See them as they really are. 
Here's what purple, to me, what it signifies. Yes, Cobain died the same year. So it's almost like, kind of like you're saying, like there is that definitive grunge sound that Nirvana defined. And then Sons of Pilots were lumped into that grunge label and like actually were criticized as being like a watered down version of it, whatever that meant with their first record, but with purple, I don't know if, if there's anything to be said about this because they, obviously they were recording most likely 
writing these songs like before Cobain died. But I wonder if, if any of these bands felt like, okay, you know, Cobain's dead. That, that wave is over. Let's take it and, and go somewhere else with it, you know? Want to play The Sims? Create, empower, captivate, inspire. The Sims is a platform where you control life, putting the power of creativity in your hands and celebrating it. It's a place that sparks imagination, connecting vibrant creators everywhere to unleash life's endless possibilities, both in-game and out. Get inspired at thesims.com and save 50% off for the holidays. Ignite creative inspiration and spark something with The Sims. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 